0: Destroyed Nonchalance. Taking cultural power to one episode at a time. A social commentary podcast on pop culture, fashion, film, and music. This week on Destroy Nonchalance, we're discussing narrative theory. Hello, welcome back to Destroyed Nonchalance. This week, Serena, Rick, and I continued our discussion at St. Pancras.
1: We went to see Tadric Hall. Was it last night or the it night was before? the night
0: before last night.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's a new singer that I've been really, really into. I've liked. He's been releasing. Um, he's been around for a while, but he's kind of underground, and he's been releasing his new album in three different volumes so he has house party volume one and then house party volume two came out recently and then volume three comes out by the end of this month and i really like the music videos that he's been making to go alongside each of so like the the music is it's been i'm kind of like that where i listen to an album to death just over and over and over and over and I've been on volume two just over and over recently. And so it was really cool to go. It was at the Palladium. So it was really cool to go and see him live and just to see like.
0: Cause we discovered him through yeah. RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. And when yeah, we, me about yeah, he has like the Oz album. And so again, he makes some of those kind of songs that are so like, it has a mythology to them and you can... I built it into my nightly playlist. A certain set of songs that will... I can start playing at 10.30 and it wakes me up at 5 o'clock in the morning because the songs play all the way through the night. Okay. And some of his are so good that I can hear them every night and wake up to some of them too. So yeah, he has like the Oz songs that...
1: Yeah, it- It was cool because I mean, now I'm like, that's what Troy. Troy controls all the music and the playlists and he makes them. So seeing it live, it was really cool. And seeing how, because he's very self-made, he doesn't
0: have an agent. Really talented. He has no
1: agents, no representations. He sets up no label. Everything.
0: He started out as a Disney kid, then he went to Broadway, but then he really discovered what he could do through YouTube. And so that's how he's made himself as a, yeah. a, a performer today. Through yeah, so inter- he's like a
1: present. really big queer performer. And so he, can, he will sometimes perform in drag, but he goes back and forth. Uh, so it's it was really nice to see the songs and to see the show, but also in between he would talk and he would say, you know, it's, it's really good to love yourself and this is what the song is about and we need to take care of each other and here are my dancers follow them it makes a difference this is like this is our lives and every and really appreciative that we we bother to be there and spend our money to support him he's to continue he's, yeah, he's so he's like not just pushing himself but every talent yeah he's done something him.
0: on stage that i never I've never seen before and he's like Take out your phones and take a picture of these artists and flashing their names up on the screen so that you can learn more about who they are. And it's like 10 or 15 musicians yeah, well, and everything. Yeah, are
1: queer artists because he said for every small step that we... Uh, for every big step a, a big name takes, we have to take like 20, you know? So every little counts and it's really hard for queer artists out there, so take a look at the screen, take your phones out, and... Where's them, the Taylor Swift them, listen to video them. that he just... You need to calm down. Uh, he worked on the music video for that with uh, her and they won. So he's like a
2: director, is, is he... So he does
1: He's music, like a producer, a producer, producer. singer, oh. and just everything. Oh and he writes all his music, and he sings, and he dances, and he's just like really
0: cool and really like really down to earth it seems yeah cause he'll do a, like a video where he's at KFC or going to Walgreens <laughs> or you know just like on Instagram you can watch it and like, just do this stuff and he filmed like walking up to the Palladium from the outside while people were in line to go in and his dancers and everything came out and like back at the stage door they were yeah. just hanging out and we were talking with I don't know if you ever saw... If you saw Aladdin, when it was recently released. Um, she sings in that. Like, his opening act, she sings in that. And she was just out there talking to us. So, I mean, I don't really... It, yeah, he's not really, like, big celebrity. But at the same time, he's really well-known with his loyal following, so...
1: And, yeah, and he's just... It, it, he keeps, like putting out really good stuff and I'm just listening to it and like the last thing he put out was a video with Tiffany Haddish called Trapisha where she raps and it's like I mean it's, it's wild and it's fun and it's kind of like the music that makes you move and dance so I just like all of it and it was, it was cool to see him And so that's like one, one big week. we haven't really gone to very many things other than movies recently as far as entertainment and to see the Palladium because that's where we're going to see Madonna to see the Palladium without the because it was a dance floor at the floor that take the seats out because we've seen Whoopi Goldberg and comedians there so it was uh, interesting to see that kind of transformed to fit his his thing so
0: yeah
1: Yeah. and the the only other thing um, we talked
0: about the Joker
1: yeah and We finished The Politician and how it ends, it sets up like a AOC kind of storyline for next season where you have the comfy politician that thinks they don't need to campaign and somebody coming in, somebody new coming in and seeing like how unprepared they are for the time that we're in. So it's interesting to see where that might go. And they they already renewed it for season two, so yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that was good. So, what was your week like, Serena? Um, well, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier. Like, I was watch- finishing up this program and
2: watching on
0: Netflix called The Friendship. Right, right. sounds like something I'd want to watch. I yeah, it's on it's Okay. Very
2: interesting. Story.
0: And have you finished all the episodes yeah. that are there? Okay, okay. They have this book, and they're
2: taken to all the first followers. Right. Because the guy that did the, um, the director and produced the show, he actually wrote two books on the
0: fellowship. He was part of the fellowship. And then he Ah. quite dark and left. So it's really interesting his take on that. Ah. Have you found any, um, I don't know, anything that you could use from the, the show to, I don't know, utilize? Uh, to. Activate for yourself, such as like the superhero qualities that you're describing, or like because you're talking about like the wolf and the sheep, whatever. To make yourself, have you, does it allow you to imagine yourself as more of like a wolf type character? Um, <laughs> have, would, has your mind gone there at all? No, not
2: really. Because I mean, I mean, it wasn't totally new. So what was new is, is um, how they were utilizing it. Right. And like the power play and the networking and the right. network of power and influence. I'm yeah. not new, new to that narrative. But that's kind of you know by the by. That's part of kind of society. What was new to me was how it was being used within yeah. the political system of America okay. and how America uses that and goes around the world and kind of influences smaller countries to you know black it's
0: that infiltration of the missionary work. Exactly. Is, is
2: it,
0: yeah? <laughs> okay. Do you find any of that kind of stuff aspirational? I mean, or something that you can take what these evil people are doing and kind of like take the methods and then sub- like subvert them almost for... Yeah, I
2: mean, yeah, because that's how it works. In right. Terms, yeah, I absolutely. I mean, sometimes I have you know, crazy thoughts of... You know, you can start anything, really. You can just use the same method. Yeah, <laughs> it's door, but, Yeah. know. Yeah. Okay
1: so
0: we better watch out when you start your new religion. That's exactly why I think about. I had fantasies of starting my own religion. So do I, all the time. Yeah, yeah, how fascinating that would be. Crazy
2: Virgos.
0: (laughs) Is it a Virgo thing? No, that's true. That's true. Um,
1: what about you? What have you been up to?
0: Um, well, I'm still researching. I did find a new book. Uh, it was another recommendation from Jay. And I brought it along with me. It's called Cold Intimacies by Eva loose And it's talking about... Um, the emotional pull of capitalism and how people tend to think of it as like an unemotional process or some people have but I know I think that's one of the ways that marketing and advertising works is a direct appeal to emotion but yeah, they're talking and I haven't read a lot of it but skimming through it I did come across a section where um dating apps and online socializing has created a sense of competition and makes if people are buying into this idea of body transformation and everything so that they can compete for their partner. And I mean it's really interesting. So it goes beyond just marketing and advertising and you know as something that brands do. Yeah. So I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into that. But Joker Todrick Call, Cold Intimacies, um, I think that's pretty much my week, I think that's pretty much my week.
2: Oh yeah, and I also, and I was telling you earlier that I was listening to a podcast. Oh, that's right. Wow, okay. That's really interesting. And also I've been listening to another podcast, um, and it's called On Being, and they do some really good kind of centered
0: um, podcasts about spirituality and theory, and how we use concepts. It's really good. Cool. Okay. I've heard of that podcast, yeah, but I don't think I've listened to the episode yet, because i put together a long list. I mean, at least that's from what my understanding is. Narrative theory is like really broad. So for my, like what I'm bringing to the table, this time is kind of specific to my research or my specific interest. And there's just no way I could cover everything that's related to narrative. That
1: I have a few points and one of my points is written in big letters and it says huge with an arrow pointed at it saying, kill me now. Just because (laughs) it is so broad and it's just like giant just me looking at it initially yeah
0: that's why i kind of sent out the message saying what's compelling to you about narrative theory rather than trying to be comprehensive and cover all um so rick i like to start with yours just because you have a perspective that's different than ours maybe
1: well we'll see how i do but essentially i did i looked at some theories and definitions and a lot of the theories would start with narrative but then so i have a i have one narrative theory from um todorov which is one of these yeah people but one of these theories comes up a lot yeah but i i kept going down the list and it would go into narrative therapy narrative you know because narrative can go into so many different fields so I just had to stop at his theory yeah because it was sorry I'm having trouble I'm serious so anyway so the first definition that I found is it says assumes that narrative is basic human strategy for coming to terms with fundamental elements of our experience such as time process and change essentially just how the human condition or how we cope as humans and narrative is somebody telling somebody else on some occasion and for some purposes that something happened to someone or something so the really easy theory that Todorov says is three tiers it begins with equilibrium so where everything is balanced. Right. And then it goes into progress where equilibrium is disrupted. And the last one is resolution where equilibrium is restored. And that's a really like child's way to look at it, I guess. It's really basic. But it's it puts helpful. it. Yeah, but it puts it into perspective because. So once I read the definition and once, once I read that, I did some points. So. Initially I thought, oh, what is this, because it just sounds like some really fancy name for something that we all know. Once I saw Todorov's narrative theory, I thought, well, that's, that makes sense, that's what everything is made of, that's every, every experience, Every we have multiple narratives throughout the day. You have a beginning where things are equal, then you disrupt it with something and then you fix it. And then there's something else and then there's something else so this thinking and i thought that this kind of thinking in cinema is on its way out because i thought of movies and i thought of the joker for example so having a problem going to the middle and then restoring and finding a solution at the end I think that people are getting tired of that and bored of that because there's no stakes if you're looking at it that way. Like the superhero has the villain and then he wins at the end and nobody dies. Something
0: so formulaic.
1: Yeah, it's such, such a formulaic thing and we recently saw the Joker and that kind of is a formula on its own but it turns, it takes that basic theory that Todorov has and kind of chucks it out because it's not so simple it's not so black and white when you're looking at the human condition so first of all first i was oh wow yeah this makes sense i get that and we have we have these um narrative what is it narrative theory thing right we have this in everything that we do whether they're very basic and small or something big over weeks or whatever it is So it's it repeats and we have thousands of narratives so and I went into this is too big like kill me now There's too many There's too many things and too many potential routes that you can go into exploring narrative theory To just fully understand and and unpack even in if we did like A thousand episodes you could have something new and different that you just went right. to exploring. Because when you're looking at the human condition, it's just never ending. And yeah, that's basically what I looked at.
0: Yeah. So he says he calls the middle stage progress, which, I mean, it puts like a certain value. It evaluates it, And I don't know if it's always progress and then like this yeah. new equilibrium is not always a resolution as we could see in Joker it's not a resolution at all it sets it up for like a further but I think that, that brings in like that inner relatedness of narratives because you understand like yeah this is going to refer to a, another movie another um, what would you call it like just set of stories around Batman
1: Yeah, and it's messy, and that's how life is. It's not a clean, we're back to our happily ever after, because there's never really a happily ever after, like fairy tales would lead you to believe, because there's something else that happens after that. Right. That is beginning to be explored more and more so.
0: Yeah. came across his name a lot, and like you, as I know that narrative theory is so big, that when I zeroed in on the parts that were most relevant to me, I wanted to find stages. I wanted to break those three big stages down into something smaller, so that I could understand, because um, I like to break open packages. So yeah. Labov's um, thematic organization, that idea, and um, It does have those three stages in it, but he breaks it down into abstract, orientation, the complication, the result, and then the coda. And I think that, for me, the abstract is really interesting, where you basically say what the story is about. Like the Joker, you could say it's the rise of a comic book villain, or you could say, oh, it's about society breaking down and what it can lead to. But then, with orientation, it's the who, what, when, where, why, and how kind of just easy identifiers. The complication is the crack that happens. It, was, it's dry, it was, drives the plot. And then what happens when that crack happens? Um, that's what finally happens. And then coda um, is when the finished narrative becomes this constructed meaning. And that's when the, the group the social group understands the value of the story and um, at each stage there's a role, there's a political power at play in identifying who the antagonist is who the protagonist is the strategy for victory or like the tragedy of loss and this communicates the knowledge Um, and it becomes an easy way to learn what's driving the social group so that you don't necessarily have to experience yourself and that's where that connection with constructed memory and perceived memory comes in because that's a memory from someone else or you remember the story, it's not something that you've lived through yourself but it does structure the meaning for the group and um, so I really like Labov's breakdown of those kinds of things, I like the implication of the politics and um, Weissman talks about the functions of narrative work and I think there are like six or seven of these functions and I'll just go through them real quick so one narratives and you touched on this Rick help people make sense of the past Yeah, because it doesn't nothing makes sense unless you make sense of it because you have all these free floating impulses or like just things that you can group together and it's that grouping that makes the narrative that makes meaning and um So then, narratives help you make sense of the past. But these stories um, become something that narrators themselves are able to argue with. Once something is articulated as a story, it becomes almost an argument in a way, and then you can make a counter-argument. So you can have a response with it. And that's the third function. Um, Narratives persuade using rhetorical skill. So basically you set up the old argument, the old narrative. You say, no, this is what really happened. So this is where you can kind of contest um, what's been understood before. So you see feminist theory and queer queer theory come in and start to argue with previous formulations of narratives uh, widely adopted by social groups. Then you have this... um, the fourth function is engagement so it's where uh, the narrator sets up a dynamic relationship with the audience or it creates a space for which that can happen and as we've talked about in previous podcasts engagement is emotion cognition and behavior so um, it starts out something that you can relate to emotionally or the idea behind it but then it becomes something that you act on so fifth is entertainment we know that stories entertain um sixth it's through this engagement and entertainment capacity that narratives change your understanding of the truth and what becomes truthful um what is is the result of the new narrative shaping everyone's understanding. So it can be a misleading or it can be a fortifying of what you've previously understood, a further development, but um, it's not objective. And that's the big thing. It's not stable and it's not objective. It's not based on the way atoms work. It's not based on gravity. It's not based on something that's going to be tested over and over again, and you're always going to get the same results. As we know by looking at culture, um, the thoughts of every decade changes. What's understood to be right and wrong in terms of how you know, it changes. It's modified and injustice is uncovered or are covered, but. Anyway, the point is that that changing understanding of truth means that narrative is not something that's stable. And sometimes you can only see it in hindsight. And then um, seven, the seventh function of narrative, and again, it stems back to that idea of engagement is it mobilizes action because you're not engaged with something unless it mobilizes an action and interpretation is an action. You have to do something. So you consume something, you take it in, but then when you interpret it, you start producing an interpretation. And um, it's that production of interpretation that ties you in with your group and with the social group. So that's how it kind of creates that social cohesion. So again, um, for me, it's that... And because that, like my project, for example, is looking at social media, people are producing their interpretations and it ties them in with the social group, like for, for my project around that branding. Um, we mentioned the Jews Butler idea of identity and, um, you don't exist within the network. You don't exist until you communicate. And there, that's basically the role of narrative, um, for some theorists, that if you, if you don't produce a narrative, you don't, you, you, if there's no narrative about you, you don't exist. And so that it's a, communi- it's a performative role of narrative. So it constitutes your being within like a social organization. Because if you don't let anyone know that you're there, socially you're not there. So you have to like let them know. And so um, it's that story. That you create, you identify, and um, so anyway, that's the communicative act and value of narrative. So, and it's Lyotard, I think that's how you pronounce what it. Um, so narratives as performing. So if you look at Instagram and uh, like like the social group that formed on Instagram, without that communication of a narrative of your Instagram post telling, like, a certain type of story, then you won't exist um, within that social context. Um, And, you know, it's really easy to see, like, if you work at a, a particular place, the way people know you work there is that you show up and you do a certain job and you dress a certain way and you fit the role and you perform that role. If you don't show up, if you don't go and do your job, or if you seem really out of joint with what's going on there. People won't understand that you work there. So they won't understand your social connection to them. So it has to be performed or else it doesn't exist. Um, so that obviously brings in like the role of politics. And how do people understand that you are a part of a social group? You identify your antagonist, you identify your protagonist, you understand like the role of strategy within that certain kind of context and you're saying I share that kind of meaning, I know that banking works this way, I know that accounting works this way and I'm performing this job just like I'm supposed to, just like you do and that's why we can consider ourselves co-workers, right? Does that, does it sound like I'm over explaining things? Okay, because I don't want to, I, yeah, I don't want to like talk down or anything like that um, and it sounds negative or at least to me it sounds negative but it's actually, it can be really positive if you think about the social groups that you want to be a part of, whether it's like um, a sustainability group or like a voter advocacy group how do you let them know you want to be a part of it it's like you, you share in their meaning and you, you demonstrate that yes these values mean something to me and so, um, it is like a form of control, but it's one that you can kind of actively buy into and you, um, well, like say Greenpeace, for example, you want to be a member of Greenpeace, then you need to do what Greenpeace says that you should do. And if that's not something that you buy into, then don't join it. Right. Or, you know, and I thought of, like, the red caps, the Trump thing. It's like, okay, I mean, you follow what he says to, like, the end of everything. And, you know, <laughs> it's just you buy into it, you put on the cap, and then that's who you are, and, like, ride or die. But it is, like, a, a social kind of control that you buy into. And you're like, okay, I'm willing to be controlled this way. I'm willing to contribute my time and energy in such a way that it accomplishes the group objective. And it sounds bad, but without it, we don't have a lot of meaning. We don't have a lot of personality. We don't have—I mean—our understanding of the way the world works kind of evaporates.
2: Because but you think it's negative, um, not to be a part of a social.
0: If you, yeah.
2: Expression. You think without expression. Uh, you don't exist. And, you, and, and I'm talking like. It's as, really. As, 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 as human beings, you think if you don't speak, if you don't engage in the same thing that everyone else is engaging in, like language
0: you don't, if you can't speak like everybody else, then you don't exist, and that person is not as valuable as everybody else that speaks. So that's th- kind I, of what you're saying. Well, no, because value is like you
2: have to be valued by somebody, right? You can't value yourself. But, um, well, no. And if that's the only thing
0: that matters to you, that you just value yourself, then then that's all that matters, and yeah. that's fine. But you, then, what happens to money? What happens to status? What happens to you protecting yourself against from the violence of other people? And
2: um, and then that's and that's part of fear, isn't it? But then that's another social.
0: Yeah, or, I mean, yeah, consumption, or what about, like, a philosophy group, and you've been reading about this text, and, like, you think you know it, but then it's like, when you confront the opinions of others in a debate, it's like, okay, I find out I really didn't know everything I thought I did, and then that's, like, a personal kind of growth, so, like... You, but, and so then you value the opinions of others because it helps you under, shape your intellect and you grow. Yes. I think when I think, and that idea really bothered me at first, just being straight up, like it really bothered me. But then what's the Tom Hanks movie when he's deserted on the island, he's on a deserted island and he eventually starts talking to a volleyball. A yeah, like, okay, I'd rather deal with people that respect than a volleyball with a face painted on it. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of why it's important to uncover the narratives that you buy into because they're gonna connect you to cultures, connect you to dynamics, social dynamics that you may not realize you bought into. And I think that's one of the things that really bothered me about mainstream media for so long is that the presumed connection to these stories that they were telling, it was so formulaic that I just couldn't watch it. And now I can watch it critically but my goal for that is not so that I can retreat into isolation by myself, but find people who think about it in a similar kind of way. Yeah,
2: of course. I understand that same. I mean, of course, the humanistic is to connect.
0: Yeah, and I, that's why I want you to shape the podcast, because I want this to be something where we're kind of controlling each other through this. Because though there are other realms in my life that you're not going to control with this podcast project can be like yeah it's a group control thing but then I can go back into my spiritual practice that's shaped by other thinkers I can walk down the street and it's like shaped by something else and like I can juggle my narratives and I can juggle what I'm buying into hopefully more and more so but no I'm perfectly fine entering into a group situation with you guys who I trust and respect to say let's let's implement some social control here so that we can make something big and good and resonate does that make sense yeah it makes sense it does make sense I,
2: Um yeah like it's trying to kind of right
0: yeah interacting right engaging and listening yeah no exactly it's, I mean, mindless consumption where you're like, oh, I'm a mosquito person, and I just love what they do, and and it's like, okay, and you have racks and racks of it, and it's, it's like, okay, now what? And it's like you've identified yourself as part of like a, a brand, lo- loyal to a brand, and you might evaluate other people according to whether or not they wear mosquito but... Where's the mindfulness? Where's the reflection? Where's the the open acknowledge? Where's the awareness that you bought into a choice? And it's that mindlessness that I have more of a problem with than the idea of social control. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense.
2: Um, and it's almost giving the, the almost consuming is giving it meaning is giving it. Or, or you do consume well, things that mean something
0: to you rather
2: than just it you, so just for, yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, there are people who th- there are theorists who say you consume identity. And that's one of them, like, so there are, if you want to look at it really broadly, this is like kind of what I piece together. There's creative destruction and there's destructive creation. If you create something, it's gonna destroy something, but you're creating it. That's production. If you're creatively destroying something, then you're breaking something apart and it no longer exists, and that's consumption. So you have production and consumption. And almost you can divide, you can categorize anything into production or consumption. So are you producing a spiritual practice? Are you producing a philosophical thought? Are you producing an interpretation of a movie? Are you producing a conversation? Or are you taking it in? It's like eating. It's going to break it down. And that's actually a theory of economics, that once you consume something, you destroy the utility of it. It's no longer useful. So you break it apart. You can't have one without the other. And so because of that, you can almost take anything and say, I'm consuming... Identity. I'm consuming this. I'm taking it in. Then I'll act on it, and that'll be my creation. But embedded within that creation is the idea that you're destroying something.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I relate to that, and I like to look. I understand things
0: more when you speak about too broadly. Yeah. Yeah. And I could be wrong, and listeners might be listening to this and be like, "Oh, you're way off," but. Like, but that's my understanding yeah, so far. No, 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 means, it's like... That definitely makes sense. That's
2: interesting.
0: The I thought that was really weird.
2: You came up
0: with that? Oh, I have to ask the oh, yeah. and, I'm not, I'm not. and that's it's
2: so uh, kind of. about because, because it's like um, that It's almost... Utilize it to walk
1: through it.
2: Right. Not necessarily be it or become it, but because of the socialized structures and the concepts and the constructs that we're all kind of already a part of. Right. born so and our inheritance brings you. You're utilizing it as a card
0: to be heard. Right. Yeah. No, that's, a, that's exactly it. It's like a card that you can play.
2: Right, that you
0: walk around with. Exactly. But <laughs> like, it is
2: that to destroy it. I, I mean, I do that consciously to kind of, you use it to, so that, yeah, so that you can so that you can be a part of something. Well, as I'm a consumer, I'm conscious of the uh, of results.
0: Yeah. And oh. that's that dissociation that we were talking about, that you're going against that dissociation. Yeah. You're making the association between um, what you do and the results. Exactly. Yeah yeah and that becomes its own narrative by doing this at this time and taking this action this is the result and this is what it means and like you're kind of you're creating your own narrative out of that and yeah and then I guess it almost
2: relates to like doing a PhD I've got a bit of anxiety about it because I almost feel like if I do look at this particular Subject, right? It's quite personal, right? I think there is a bit of trepidation because just because of that subject, looking at that um, networking, yeah, there is a bit of like breaking it apart, you know, what is going to come up. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. Because I remember doing the MA, and I remember I spoke about that. It is
0: we had to upload it. I have to upload it, okay. But um, yeah that that
2: the MA and it did bring up a lot and I must say I didn't learn well, a But it was it was, you
0: know, it was hard going. It was hard Yeah, no, I definitely see like why it would be and Okay. Yeah, but it's that hard work and then you become part of the narrative. You become a part of that. Oh, yes. okay.
2: yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. If we could just get the bill, too. Both
2: yeah.
0: you, You're adding to that narrative. Well, that's
2: why I was saying it is observant participation, and that you have to... No, Mama told me this years ago, because she knew I was doing that. That's one of the issues, when she used to teach her classes. Yeah. She would deliberately put the students in that kind of situation, but it's a right. so, and it's teaching take
1: much to Right.
0: Thank you. And I don't have any cash, so let's just do a a favor trade next time. You can get my Americano or something next time, okay. That your mother would put students in that situation.
2: So ah. I always understand that when I was or when I was in the class and I'm it, Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Because you've described that before. We had that whole episode about the university experience yeah, and you described that.
2: that's what I was... Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, and I think, if, like you were saying, if you immerse yourself with the work that you're doing, your PhD, just in order to stay sane, you have to kind of go deeper. Right. I did all those
0: things because just as tools to kind of to get, because your subject was dark. Yeah. It was really dark. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: it was. And that's why if I do this PhD, it has to be. It, I mean, I'm interested definitely in the subject. Right. And I do think, you know, it's the memories of the MA and then the subject matter. Yeah. Like the negative side. And you do have to have that contrast in order to. Right. So I just think the past is trepidative, it's like a bit of
0: trepidation. That emotional experience of like just the embedded... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, mine is a bit different. It's not dealing with something so dark. I mean, it's systematic. It's big. But one of the things... I think it's pretty dark. It's dark but maybe you know like, and i'm a, like a, the evils of marketing and advertising yeah, yeah. and consumption
2: yeah, I think in a sense. yeah
0: in a sense but i'm trying to turn it around and to make it something that's more um empowering
2: uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, and that's exactly what i that's my aim
0: right right um, um, Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, this has been like 65 minutes. So, um, we I do need to go. Well, thank you again for a, a good conversation. And thanks for listening to attention. And um, actually, we're off just to see the Joker. So, <laughs> see you later. Bye. Bye. Push me, yeah. Yeah.